1: understand their motivators understand what they need to feel safe for for some people it's autonomy for some people it's understanding what's going to happen certainty for some people it's really like relating to them and and making sure that they acknowledge that that's the space that you create for them so what is it that those individuals need to feel safe in a relationship
0: Wistia is a complete video platform that lets you make high quality videos fast right in your browser record your face and screen use ai to write scripts even add background music try wistia for free at wistia.com backslash millennials what's up everybody welcome back to another episode of the marketing millennials today i have a old friend hana we used to chat it up when she was at mad kudu and i was at service titan back in the day and i am excited she's pivoted her career into a cool new avenue and i'll let her talk about it but Hannah, welcome to the podcast
1: thank you how's it going it's it's so awesome to be here and like i was saying to you earlier i catch you on twitter and i saw this tweet about meeting podcast guests or wanting podcast guests and i was like oh i want to talk to daniel and hang out with you on the pod <laughs>
0: It's always the best place to hang out as a good podcast session. Um I also want to go into for everybody who doesn't know who you are because I do, but like how did you get into marketing and then ultimately how did you get into leadership development for marketers?
1: Everyone will always say like right place, right time, luck. I don't believe in any of those things. I do believe in conscious luck though. And so I think that it was a little bit of conscious luck, a little bit of maybe delusion you know, in my earlier younger days getting into marketing. And honestly, I just put myself intentionally in an environment where I wanted to thrive and be happy. And because of that, I met somebody amazing and we built a really great relationship and I, we got very close and she owned a marketing agency and I started working with her and we worked together for eight, nine years through multiple different agencies and that and these are B2B focused agencies really at the helm of revenue acceleration, very technical. Um, so straddling those technical and strategic um, marketing ops, marketing roles. And that was it. I didn't look back and I stayed agency side for a good portion of my career, spent some time at a startup, Matt Kudu, which you re- referenced. And then I, I, you know, again, I think what I found was I slipped out of that happy environment, happy place where things would come to me because I put myself in those situations intentionally. And so I had to just completely reevaluate and go back to the core of, you know, who am I? What do I want? What are my values? What am I doing here? And when I did that work, you know, what emerged for me is I want to help. And I've always wanted to help people, which is why I was in marketing. But I want to be closer. I want to be closer to the impact. I want to be closer to the individual. And I've been in these roles. I know how hard it is. I know there's such a gap when it comes to leadership development. And that's somewhere that I want to sit. So that really led me into leadership, executive coaching. And I uh, I, I would not be here today if it were not for my parents who are also executive coaches and have been doing that for, for many, many
0: years. So I, I learned a lot from them too. One thing I want to dive deep into because I think it sets the stage for everything is what are the top three to five problems you're seeing that marketers have today? And then we'll go into like how we can solve them as marketers.
1: From a leadership perspective, right? And I'm not going to talk about like marketing specific because I think that's more prevalent in a role like marketing just due to the visibility and the high speed that we need to work at. But I would say that, and this is not going to be an obvious one for a lot of people, but it is the inability to recognize when you need to lead yourself versus lead others and lead organization. And I think that that's a big development bucket that we do not pay attention to. We don't talk about it. We don't so we're socialized to like think that that's like the thing that we shouldn't work on. And then I would also say, how like expressing that, like learning how to take what you've learned about yourself and how you want to lead and then showcasing that out to a place where you can lead others in an authentic way, in a way that honors you and also gets shit done. And then the third I would say is speaking the language of the business and all of the key stakeholders at the highest levels, at the lowest levels as well while doing all of the two other things that I mentioned, which is a lot. That's a lot to think about. You're leading yourself, you're leading others, and you're leading the business. You're talking in these different languages and you're looking at revenue. You're looking at why is this business existing? Like, What is the point of the business? You're not looking at marketing and your contributions much bigger than that.
0: I want to go into number one first about leading yourself because I think A lot of us marketers get caught on helping so many, or like everybody, leaders in general, get caught about helping other people, helping our customers, helping everybody, but we forget to like who we are as a person. We become unself-aware of who we are as a person and that leads to burnout and all those things that happen in your career. How do you start getting someone on the page to know who they are and know what they care about and Know what direction they should go?
1: I think there's a lot of different approaches to this. And I think for me personally, one of the most impactful ways is to look at your, like how connected you are to your body and the systems within your body and like your thinking, like your thoughts. So this is honestly just a reflection. So starting with just a reflection of who am I? And how do I feel in my body? And what that might lead you to is, I don't feel in my body. <laughs> and that is where a lot of people start. They realize they're disconnected from their bodies, which then in turn, you realize you are disconnected from your thoughts or yourself or you know who you are at your very core. So that's a really good place to start and this might go against what other people might say but i also believe that that disconnection from your body also needs to start with nervous system regulation and bringing you physically bringing you like yourself back into a safe place within your body so you can then start to think about okay now i want to focus on my thoughts i want to focus on who i am and i feel safe in my body enough to do those things
0: a lot of it becomes down to once you understand yourself you can start getting more confident to make decisions that are for your career. But I think it all starts with getting someone like you or sometimes you need that outside perspective because you're in your thoughts so much that you don't have time to like distill them into what am I actually thinking? Who am I? But also what people forget is once they, they become self-aware of themselves, but like, or their projection of themselves is what their projection becomes on their team. And sometimes like to become the best leader, you have to become your best self because if you're having a bad day, like your team feels that you're having a bad day. Or if you're not burning out, your team feels like they're gonna burn out. So you need to get to a place as a leader, like that you feel comfortable to even like admit that you're doing failing burning out and what can you do to counteract that or admit that you're not feeling confident right now and what can you do steps could I take to get more confident in my role so that leads me to the second question is like how can I become a best the best like now I'm self-aware I understand myself I understand myself as a human how can I not project that onto my team and become a better leader
1: I believe it is going through the process of so you know like you said like really remembering who you are but then laying out a A plan for yourself to, and here's how I want the world to see that. Here's how I want to take that internal knowledge and express it out, push it out so everybody can feel it, everybody knows it. I walk into a room and my energy speaks for itself. So, what is that plan? How do you do that? And usually that requires an understanding of okay, well, what are the, what do you do in in a unique way? Like, what is your superpower? And then fully leaning into that in every area that you can and looking for gaps of like, okay, if my superpower is building relationships and doing it in a special way where people just know that I'm good at that, what areas of your life are you not doing that currently where there could be huge benefits to you leaning into that? Or how could you help others build that skill as well?
0: I think that's so important is like recognizing what type of leader you are or what type of person you are. Like for me, I'm a very big lead by example type leader instead of being like that vocal like cheerleader. And I think like you can find someone else on your team to be the vocal cheerleader or someone to like replace something that you're lacking your weakness, but knowing that you're like the lead by example and how can I like knowing that, and knowing that you might not be the best at the braa, or you might need coaching to become the best at the, like learning how to do that, helps you become such a better leader. Instead of being inauthentic and trying to be like, "Let's go, team, we got this!" Like Q four goals are happening. Instead of being like, "Okay, I already set up my plan for Q four. Like, what are you guys doing?" For like, like, let's like go over our plan together. So, like, be your authentic self on like how you even. Show up to work every day because I, that was the biggest struggle I had in marketing is like, or as a leader, is I saw like very good leaders who are just vocal who could be in a meeting and take over a meeting. And I felt insecure in myself because I was not that like great vocal leader in a meeting, but I knew that I would be like treat my team the best. I knew I was going to advocate for my team more than anybody and you always going to lead by example. And those are the three things that I would do. And That was hard for me at the beginning of my career to just be like, okay, you're not a rah rah person. Like, and it's okay not to be a rah rah person. Like, that's not the type of leader you are.
1: Yes. It's so, so important because, and like going back to the point around just understanding who you are, right? And also nervous system regulation, like, part of being a leader and part of showing up is your responsibility to regulate your emotions. And when you are regulated and when you know who you are, you're not walking around getting triggered by everything that every single person is presenting. You're not comparing yourself because you understand what you bring to the table. And I've been in that position too. I've had you know, leaders that lead a very certain way and when it comes to like, let's say sales and marketing alignment, right? And I had a leader that was a little bit more assertive than I am. In and in I'm assertive in a different way. And so this leader was like, you know, you've got to adjust your strategy. You've got to do it like this. You've got to, you know, get put a, little, put a little fire under their butts. And I'm like, you know, because I knew who I was, I was able to step back and say, I appreciate your style. I see that you get results, but that is not me. And that's okay. And here's how I want to approach the situation because I am a relationship builder. I inspire people when I step into a room just by showing my energy. And I want to do it my way. And we were able to have that conversation. And then I was able to do it my way. But you have to be able to like recognize those moments of like, is somebody wanting me to just like do it their way because they're good at it? Or do I know the way that is going to be best suited for me in this particular situation?
0: Yeah, and I always go back to because I played football, and I always think to myself like, when you became a better football player, people just look up to you as a leader because you just go out and you work hard, and you're and you don't realize like that's leadership too. Like there was a bunch of like mixed leaders in a group, and that's why teams also mess up as like an exec team should be a mixture of people who can be vocal and then people who can like lead by example and um, people who could do like, there should be different types of personalities on your leadership team. It shouldn't just be everybody who's just like screaming at the top of the lines. And then everybody who's just like leading by example and can't motivate people. Like, it's just like, you need that mixture. And the other point I want to make is the regulating of emotions thing. And I think that's very interesting because one thing that I remember vividly in sports as like my coach used to say like when you come on the field or like when you like everything when you step on the field like and it's kind of like stepping in a meeting or something whatever happening externally the whole focus should be on the game you can go feel those emotions after you step out of what you're doing in that arena but like when you're in the arena you can't be thinking about this, 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 and this, because then you're not going to be a fully focused leader. You're not going to be turned in. But it's okay to feel those emotions, but don't feel them in this exact moment. And it's hard to learn that as a leader, but it's so helpful because I've seen leaders snap in meetings and it's not because they're mad at their team. It's because like they just got yelled at at home or they've like their kids are screaming in the background or so many things are happening in, the, in their external life. But it's, it's, it's good to learn that, that skill of like learning when to focus and when to like feel.
1: Yeah.
0: I wonder if you have like any advice on like regulating emotions type of thing. I know like it's okay to be an emotional person, but like what are some techniques to work on that?
1: Yeah, I think that there's a lot of things that you can do. So you just have to find like uniquely what works for you. I've probably tried everything under the moon. And again, to your point, you don't know what has gone on in somebody's life or what is going on in somebody's life. Most of us have, at the minimum, you know, little T trauma. A lot of us have big T trauma where we had big traumatic things happen in our life. And a lot of us haven't dealt with any of that. It just continues to sit in our body. So when you talk about projections and like, you know, that's why, It comes from those deep wounds where we just haven't dealt with those things. So I think first and foremost, the key to regulating your emotions is feeling your emotions and actually being able to name your emotions and connect to them in your body. Where am I feeling this emotion in my body? Another thing that is very helpful in terms of perspective with that is to think about emotions as energy and emotions as data. Emotions are just flowing through your body. It's energy in motion. That's what some people say. So thinking of it from that perspective gives you a little bit of a, oh, like I'm just watching these things flow through my body and I can name them, I can feel them. And if I allow them to flow through my body, eventually they'll leave. And if we look at them as data, I can maybe start to interpret these emotions without getting wrapped up in feelings and feelings and feelings about them and judgments about them. It's just reviewing them. Like you would go review your dashboard, right? I mean, yes, there's emotions when you see like maybe your your numbers, your KPIs drop one <laughs> one month or one quarter, but you're looking at the data and when you have to make a decision, yes, your emotions are there, but it is rooted in that data. And so I think just naming your emotions and there's a lot of tools that help for that. And then practicing, just watching your thoughts and when those emotions come into the front view and giving yourself some techniques to not push it down or push it away, but for the moment, just acknowledge that it's there and stay present. So there's a lot of like meditation tactics. There's a lot of focus tactics, right? Like even if we kind of trick our brains into focusing on that present moment, um, like honestly, there's one where you just like stare at something and you sort of like blur out your eyes. So you're, you're essentially telling your brain, no focus here, don't focus on those things. So there's a lot of different tactics and techniques that you can employ. But I think honestly, just starts with understanding and naming your emotions.
0: I also think like the one thing that I love that you said is just like actually feel to know what emotions you're experiencing, because I think a lot of people, a lot of things that come out are, are just like building blocks that have stacked up for like, weeks or months yeah. or years at a company or internally that nobody like communicates about mm-hmm. and these emotions get like stacked up and then it becomes like a bigger issue. That's why I think a lot of people also like quit jobs over this is because they've stacked up like all the bad that's happening. And if they just like took one second to like go and like maybe vocalize this to their manager or vocalize in in team or spoke to someone else outside, they would realize that like, it's not that one thing that you're actually annoyed at. It's like that, the 10 other things that you haven't dealt with before. And I think that's so important. That's what I realized when I was in manager roles. Like, I kept getting annoyed, but I'm like, one of my managers taught me, like, you teach people how to treat you. So, like, I took a step back and I was like, I actually am teaching people how to treat me. I get things in on time fast and, like, now they expect it from me, but I should take a step back and be like, hey, actually, like, I do things fast because I try to get it off my brain, but that doesn't mean like I can handle fast tasks all the time um, and just like vocalize that to like the people. Cause I thought I, I really did teach people how to treat me, um, which is like something I learned.
1: It reminds me of something I think about with my kid. Um, there's a lot of ties that you could make to leadership and, and, you know, being a parent. And I always think about the best reactions are neutral and excitement and praise. So neutral, even apply that to yourself, neutral. I am not gonna give any judgments or emotion around what's going on in my thoughts right now. I'm just going to embrace it and know that it's there and accept it and allow it to move through and channel it maybe into something else or excitement, praise, like, I like what's going on here. I want to reinforce that. I want to give myself a reward because my brain's going to like that. And that's how you build that habit. So neutral and excitement.
0: Hey, marketers, listen up. Wistia is my best kept secret for creating videos for your business. You can record and edit videos right in your browser and even use their A.I. to write your script. With Wistia, you can record your face and screen for videos like sales pitches or product demos. And the video editor is pretty much foolproof. Seriously, you've got to check it out. Start creating videos for free at Wistia.com backslash millennials. That's W-I-S-T-I-A dot com slash millennials. I think it's good to break down i also think it's good i need to do more of the like actually like taking a step inside and just like actually realizing what emotions i'm feeling and what's triggering them what's not triggering them i think a lot of leaders could benefit from that but i want to go to like the third step so i know it's like one is you got to be work on yourself um i'm probably not saying it with how you said it and two how you're gonna lead your team? So one, lead yourself, then your team, and then the third is like the management part, like the other leaders. So how how do you think about that third step of once you've gone down the line of you've done your been become more self aware? Now it's like you're becoming a better leader with managing your team. Now it's like projecting out to like other leaders.
1: I believe it is really rooted in an asthma all of our relationships are as humans, trust, trust and understanding. Um, you know, when, when I trust somebody, I'm more willing to be transparent with them. I'm less likely to be activated by them if they feel safe. And this is not just like a emotional thing. This is a very physiological thing and neurological thing that we are it's just happening in our bodies and our brains, right? Like that is survival for us. If we feel safe, we're not triggered. If we feel safe, you know, like there's so many things that we can have that can happen. So I think it is individually, like know who you're working with, understand their motivators, understand what they need to feel safe. For for some people, it's autonomy. For some people, it's understanding what's going to happen, certainty. For some people, it's really like relating to them and and making sure that they acknowledge that that's the space that you create for them so what is it that those individuals need to feel safe in a relationship and that just comes along with building relationships so when you go into a new team you should be asking questions that aren't just about the kpis and what they're doing with their teams and all the strategies and tactics ask about some of those other things about how they like to work what makes them feel safe in a relationship and how to build that with them and also understanding motivators. And through all of this, what you're also doing is if you're actively listening, you are picking up on how they show up. You're picking up on the language that they use. You're picking up on their non-verbals. You're picking up on their emotions and how they are attuned to their emotions and what comes out of their mouth and how they respond or react. So, Just by being so focused on building that relationship, you're getting all these other answers as to who this individual is. And that is going to allow you to have influence, collaborate, bring people together, advocate. You know, all of those things have conflict discussions that are really tough because you actually trust each other. So just by doing that, you're opening that door to allow for all of those things to happen
0: everybody talks and I'm going to go into a marketing specific thing, but everybody talks about sales and marketing being aligned. And like the first thing they always say is like, yeah, they have to be aligned on a KPI or a goal. But I think like taking a step back is like, it doesn't matter if what the KPI or goal is, if they, don't like each other as a person they can't work with each other they don't build a relationship up front that they trust each other that like even if the kpis this they trust that this person's going to hit the goal or not hit the goal or is something like are they going to throw me under the bus or not throw me under the bus like you need to build that step and be like okay how do you like to work like all those things you just said is so important before you even have that conversation of like like let's align on kpis like like first like thing you should do is go build that relationship with that other leader and this is the same thing for your team and everything like all the like the first things you should do is like understand how they work what motivates them what do they actually care about what do they do outside of work that they like to do like what do they actually care about because it tells you a whole bigger picture of like why they make decisions at work so i think that's such a good point you just made
1: i mean it's just like find common ground, find those shared motivators. And like, why do you care about this goal? Why do I care about this goal? And I think part of that too is just asking questions. And for some reason or another, we do not like to ask direct questions about somebody or about something that somebody has done. We find that to be triggering, you know, like, ooh, that's a criticism. So just be comfortable asking a direct, kind, respectful question
0: i mean if you don't what happens is like you never get to the root of anything and then that you never figure out what you're actually trying to figure out because you're trying to be nice to that person but there's ways to be nice and direct at the same time people forget that there's also ways to be like horrible and direct which there are (laughs) some leaders like that but i think if you set the expectation up front like hey in this relationship i am going to be direct with you about things that i feel about how we work together and how we both do things like i just want you to know that like it's coming from a place of like i want to build a stronger relationship i care about what you think i i want to make each other better like set those expectations up front then it doesn't become like a criticism to them but more it becomes like oh this is just a normal part of like this relationship that we're having i think this is like advice that could be beyond leadership i think it could be with friends i think it could be with relationship it could be with anything a lot of people don't like saying hey i actually did not like when you did x y and z and let me tell you the reasons why like i think you're doing great things other places but like these are the steps that like i think you need to be upfront. otherwise you never it just wanes on you for a long time Mm mm-hmm What is a a leadership hill that you would die on?
1: A leadership hill that I will die on any day of the week is that imposter syndrome is not real. (laughs) And that we are tripping over ourselves when we say, I have imposter syndrome. That's not true. It's not real. And the reason why I don't believe it to be real is just as you said, it's not what's actually going on. It's not the root of the issue. You are blanketing what actually is going on just with a popular term that actually, by the way, the women, the two women that were psychologists that developed the term never called it imposter syndrome. They never wanted it to be something that pathologized that and they called it imposter phenomenon. And the way that they react to how imposter syndrome has taken off now is negative. Like, they don't like it because what's really going on is fear. It's fear of something. You are fearful of whatever it is in front of you, fear of judgment, fear of losing something, fear of um, abandonment. Like, get to what that emotion is. Like, what is actually going on that is quote unquote, your imposter syndrome. The other thing that it also is, which can be, you know, potentially more detrimental is systems, systems that weren't built for us because we just like create these problems and we think it's my problem. It's, it's my fault. I have to solve it. But if you were to zoom out a little bit, what else is going on? Are you navigating systems that are difficult right now? Are you navigating systems that weren't built for you? And if you are not part of the 1% that runs this world, the answer is yes. (laughs) So that allows us to really understand what is in our control and what is not in our control and what is actually going on. I will die on that hill multiple times if I could come back to life and do it again.
0: (laughs) I mean, it it is very true. I think um, a lot of it becomes as like you're scared that you don't have the ability or you're scared that someone's going to say, like, call you out for something that you aren't doing. And it's also like not in the present at all. It's always like something that is like you're thinking in the future. And that holds back so many people because they think, oh, I am not good enough for to be in this room or I'm not good enough to be in a place. I think I like that you like can recognize that you're, I wouldn't say, like, calling an positive, but a rec- recognizing that you're having an imposter phenomenon and then, like, go to the root of why you're recognizing it instead of, saying using it as a term to describe something that you're not. Like, for example, yes. I know I've had, like, ADHD for a long time, but, like, I never, like, thought about it in the workplace environment. And then I realized, like like, some people in the work environment are very organized, like and have systems in place because that's how their mind works and my wh- mind works very differently than that and like it gave me like anxiety internally because I was just like oh like I'm not like that but then I realized like there was like a lot of other people that also have this and like there is like just because like I'm not organized like that like it allows me to be more big picture thinking allows me to see more that is happening it allows me to do a lot of other things that people can do and then also allows me to get into roles that fit or like companies that fit that my like how I work as a person. And I think like once you recognize going back to your first step is like recognizing who you are and how you work and how you feel and all that stuff like helps you so much like to get over that blanket term imposter syndrome or get over things that you are like holding you back from advancing in your career or becoming a better leader or et cetera, it all stems down to like figuring out like yourself, which is like mm-hmm. cool. And yeah. I think it also like a lot of people don't like this and it happens with like, is like getting people to help you with that is not a sign of weakness. It's actually something, but it. it's actually like actually at the end of the day, like a powerful thing. Like if you can develop the skills that other people aren't developing around you.
1: It's not like I identify so much with this thing that it is me. It is how do I experience what is happening and what are the elements of that and leaning into your experience and how you're experiencing and all of those different levers that you have that you can control.
0: Last question I have for you is if you were going into a leadership role again, knowing everything you know, What are some things that you would have told yourself that probably would have made you a better leader?
1: Yeah, that one's complicated for me too because I also discovered that I was neurodivergent. And so due to that discovery and and a lot of healing that I did around that, I think I would tell myself that the way that your brain works is not bad. The way that other people's brains work is not good or bad either. And you can learn from the way that they work and they can learn from the way that you work so don't be afraid to work the way that you want to work work the way that your brain wants to work because it's brilliant up there it really is it just might not look like neurotypical and that's okay because when we can lean into what makes us unique especially when it comes to our brains oh my gosh like it just you go to a whole another level I think there's a lot of education that also needs to be done in the neurotypical arena around what it means to be neurodivergent. And I think it could just enhance so many things, you know, for, for me personally, but also for if I were leading a team and just different approaches, it just, you know, we know how much diversity is important on teams. And I think that I really wish that I would have had the knowledge to lean into that and the confidence to lean into that as well.
0: And I love that because I think like the word diversity could be like explained in so many different ways. And I think there's a lot of different turns out, but one of the diversity things that you got to think about is like how people think, like how they react to things. And I think people forget that type of diversity on their team. I think that's something that people should think about is like how people think, how people react. Like you need different people on a team. Like I remember doing, that exercise with like the parrot and the ego and stuff like knowing that like you're more of a strong person. This person is more a peacemaker and know this, like knowing you what these people on your team, you need different types of those people to make your team successful. You can't just have all leaders on your team and nobody who does anything else. Like you need to know that diversity, that leaders meaning like type A leaders and like But I think that's a very good discussion that a lot of people aren't having is like, that type of diversity well i want to give you a couple minutes to say where people can find you and what you're doing and learn from you so i want to give you a couple minutes to talk about that
1: yeah, awesome. Um, I mean, hopefully, as you've gathered, I'm doing leadership and executive coaching, and I really lean into the high performers that this is already their trajectory, where they're already in a leadership seat, but they want to come home to themselves and do it in a way that honors and um, allows them to showcase, you know, who they are authentically, because that's how we have an impact, and we all know that deep down. So that's kind of the who and the what. And in terms of platforms, like I'm, I, you know, I'm on LinkedIn posting quite often. Um, if your style is video, I'm on uh, TikTok, and then I have a podcast called The Hype Within that where I bring on tech leaders, for the most part, tech leaders, and we talk about this journey. We talk about what they have gone through, the steps that they take, the things that they employ to show up in an authentic way, and how that has enabled them and their leadership journey. So. That's where you can find
0: me. Yeah. And I think you should go follow Anna because I think, like, any, if you're listening to a podcast right now, you're probably one of the highest performers because you're trying to work and better yourself. So, mm-hmm. and this is one way you could be really better, better yourself is like learning how to show up authentically, learning how to be a better leader, learning how to know yourself, like, learning how to deal with different types of personalities and emotions in the workplaces. A skill that a lot of people it, honestly like a lot of people just don't get taught so thank you for sharing your knowledge on this podcast and I, I appreciate you
1: likewise it's been so fun to chat
0: thanks so much for listening tune in next week to hear more great insights from marketing's coolest operators if you haven't already please consider subscribing to the marketing millennials podcast and giving it a five-star rating it helps bring more martyrs into our community.